Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. Now, Kieran, usually I do a spoiler here. I say right. something like, if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to the show because that is a spoiler. But today I thought I'd do something different. Oh, I didn't do. want to spoil something for you today. I didn't want to ruin the nice people at home that's listening to this day. I simply want to make them shiver with Antissa. Uh, how do I move on from that? <laughs> I'll let you know soon. Alrighty, so if you that. haven't if you haven't heard the <laughs> if you haven't heard this show before, what we typically do is we look at all the upcoming. That's Did I throw right. you off? That's I'm right. sorry. What we usually do is we look at all the promotional material for an upcoming Hollywood blockbuster. Then we attempt to predict as much of the plot of those blockbusters as humanly possible. But this week we're doing something different. We're taking a break from predicting movies and seeing how well we did to actually doing one of our special episodes where we come up with unique plot ideas of our own. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and what a doozy we have for you today. Yes. We'll talk about that in a sec. But I just wanted to point out as well, if you want to put one of our previous predictions to the test, Mortal Kombat is currently in cinemas. I have had so many people, so many listeners to this show who know me personally come up and ask me about Mortal Kombat. I have not seen it yet. I've I will see it. it. Have you seen it? I've Do you like it? it? Uh, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I know there's a lot of a lot of excited people for that one, so... Uh, I'll just should be fun. I'll spoil something early for everybody. There's not a tournament in the movie. There's no Mortal Kombat tournament in the movie Mortal Kombat, which is a movie what? about a tournament. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was just as surprised as you are. But that's that's the only thing. Yeah, that the, isn't that shocking. That's the only concept from the game. People are going to realize very soon when they go out and see the movie that there's no tournament in Mortal Kombat. There's no Mortal Kombat tournament in Mortal Kombat. But then what's the movie about? Oh, you'll have to see. Wow. Okay. We certainly um, didn't predict that there wouldn't be a tournament in it. That's, that was a, that was the one prediction that was safe. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, we didn't get that one. Anyway, moving on to our special episode. This week, if you didn't hear the end of our episode last week, we're actually coming up with a prequel to the musical The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Why? Who knows? I don't think this is a movie that needs a prequel, but here no. we are. So if you're not familiar with The Rocky Horror Picture Show, it came out in 1975 and it was written by Richard O'Brien and directed by Jim Sharman, who's an Australian director, I just thought I'd point out. And it was based on the musical The Rocky Horror Show from 1972, which was also written by Richard O'Brien. So he adapted it into its movie form. Now the movie, it's probably really well known these days and a lot of people really like it and it's a really iconic sort of rock opera or musical, whatever you want to call it. It's a cult classic. It's definitely a cult classic, but when it was originally released in 1975, it was panned heavily by critics and audiences as well. Audiences hated it. It didn't make any money. Critics absolutely hated it. They said it was like basically pointless and worthless. Mm. But there was a hub of people that were really loyal to this movie, right? Well, what happened is it gained a cult following in 1976 when it was shown as a regular midnight movie at the Waverly Theatre in New York. People would just come along because what they would just do is they just show sort of like the grindhouse movies. movies and B-grade movies and people would just come along and just sort of laugh at them. It kind of had the same appeal, I guess, as The Room does Absolutely. now. But The I Room guess- is very much a modern version of what this was. But there was no real movies like this where, you know, you have your counterpoint dialogue where the character on the screen will say something and the, and the audience, audience something. reacts. But that actually came organically. That wasn't something they just sort of made up. This just happened organically. So when people would come and watch the midnight movie, people would just like shout out stuff at the screen. They would just shout out jokes and everyone in the audience would laugh. And then it just became, you know, the best jokes were sort of handpicked. And then it just became a regular sort of cult thing that they did. Mm. Would you be able to explain to everybody what the very, like in a very brief way, what the plot is and what the deal is with Rocky Horror Picture Show? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so it is a musical. I think yep. we need to say that straight off the bat. It follows a couple who are newly married that... Well, they're engaged. 
Are they? Yeah, well, they're engaged. Well, are they? In, are they at a wedding at the start? They're not at their own wedding. They're at another couple's wedding. <laughs> but they, their car breaks down, and they take refuge in a mysterious haunted mansion. I guess. Yeah. And the owners of this house are Dr. Frankenfurter, who's a transvestite mad scientist. Yep. And his collection of eclectic. Characters. Characters, yeah. yeah. And shenanigans so, ensue. I, I don't know how else to explain it's it. It's very much a parody of, sort of like a very tongue-in-cheek parody of 1950s horror and sci-fi movies. So it very much follows the formula and cliches of those movies with a whole bunch of mm, sort of fun, sort of sexually driven, I suppose you'd say, musical numbers along the way. Yeah. And sort of explores sexuality a lot, be that transsexuality, bisexuality. asexuality, bisexuality, everything under the sun. And I think it became very much iconic in the LGBTQI+, whatever you want to call it these days. It became a very iconic film in that crowd as well. Now, we are talking about a prequel this episode. <laughs> but do you know about the Rocky Horror Picture Show sequel? You mentioned it last episode. I don't know anything about it other than it is apparently terrible. So, Richard O'Brien originally planned to do a sequel called Rocky Horror Shows Its Heels all the way back in 1979 when, right. the, when the original movie really took off as a, a cult phenomenon. And he planned to have the same cast and basically essentially just do something very similar, but just a slightly different story. But the director, Jim Sharman, didn't want to do the same story again. He didn't want to do something similar. He wanted to do something entirely different because mm. he was just like, oh, I just fall into a groove if I'm just doing, doing the, same the same thing, thing over and over again. And more importantly, Tim Curry didn't want to return and reprise his role as Frankenfurter. Now, why is that? He's one he, and done. Did he just not want to be typecast or? I guess not. Or maybe he wasn't happy with it, which is weird. Really? Because as I said earlier, the critics panned the movie, but the one thing they did praise was Tim Curry's performance. Well, his performance is amazing. Yeah, very iconic. It's probably his most iconic performance. But yeah, he didn't want to return to the role and I'm not exactly sure why. So instead, that script, what was it? Rocky Horror Shows Its Heels was rewritten and turned into shock treatment which came out in 1981, so two years later. And I actually own Shock Treatment. I've seen it maybe... You own it. Two or three times. Do you like oh, it? Oh, man, it's awful. Awful. Almost unwatchable. It's so sort why of, do you own it? It came in the box with Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> it came as a double. It came as a double feature. Science fiction double feature, I suppose you could say. But yeah, it's it's really bad. I really don't like it. It doesn't have any of the charm of the original, although it does have a cult following of its own, but nowhere near as sort of like renowned as the, the Rocky Horror one. So the one thing that I didn't really like about Shock Treatment personally, I suppose as a kid when I first watched the movie, was that all the actors are entirely different. Are they, so there's the same characters. There right? are some returning actors, but they are playing different characters. Right. But the the characters who do return are played by different actors. Yeah. And that's one of my pet peeves. Well, was was one of my pet peeves as a kid. I couldn't deal with recasts. So I'm like, it doesn't. I can't believe that it's the same character if they don't look the same. <laughs> it's not real. And Brad and Janet in the movie, they return to their hometown of Denton, which is now uh-huh. uh, a TV studio. So everyone's house is like the set of a TV show and there's a studio audience. So a little bit of commentary there. Yeah, I suppose so. And so, yeah, everything, everyone's being filmed all the time. It is very sort of strange. And yeah, I didn't really, it didn't really gel with me, I suppose. Richard O'Brien also wrote two further sequels to Rocky Horror, one of them being Revenge of the Old Queen, which I, I nice. actually... I kind of like that. I handpicked a few elements from that to work into my plot. Right. Not too heavily, so I just took a few small things. Mm-hmm. And he also wrote another one called Rocky Horror Second Coming, but neither of these have progressed beyond script form. So 
They were both in talks to make movies of these two sequels, but yeah, just nothing ever eventuated. He's still trying, I believe, Richard O'Brien, but yeah, I don't think it's ever going to happen. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because Rocky Horror Picture Show seemed to start off as a movie that was all about shocking people, and now it almost is a symbol of liberation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In the modern context. I think that was always the intention, though. Yeah. I think that message is very much clear in the original movie and, and the stage play as well. I've got to know now... What is your history with the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Sure. It was always something I heard about when I mentioned it to my aunt. Right. She was like, you never saw this movie? And she actually owned it. This and isn't like it a Perks me. of Being a Wallflower type situation, is it? No. No. Okay. Oh, my God. No, I didn't quite mean like that. I mean, like being introduced to a Rocky Horror Picture Show through your aunt. Did that happen in Perks of Being a Wallflower? Pretty sure it did. Really? Well, then I guess for that one section of that movie, then yes, it was like Perks of Being a Wallflower. When did you watch it? Oh. I was a teenager. Right, right. Yeah, I can't remember how old. I was less than 15. Okay. And what's your favourite song from the movie? It's got to be The Time Warp. Yeah. Doesn't everybody love The Time Warp? And I love love Eddie's song as well. Yeah, that's right. Hot Patootie. But I watched it and I was blown away. I was like, this is amazing. This is like a mess of chaos that I couldn't you know, tear my eyes away from the screen and wow. I thought it was great. So it struck you because I suppose you watched it at the right time, the right yeah. age. Also, I didn't know anything about it. I'd heard the name. Right. I didn't, okay. I didn't know. So it came in very fresh. Yeah, I didn't know the story. I didn't know anything about it. I, I knew it was a musical, I think. So when I sat down and watched it, I was just like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot going on here. So my history with it, I actually have quite an extensive history with it. Mm. Now, well, not too extensive, but still, whenever I'd go on like long car drives with my mum, she'd always have like a collection of soundtracks that we'd play while we were just driving along. And one of them was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Now, because it was a cassette, not every song from the movie fit onto a single cassette. So it was only like a selection of songs that she really liked. So it was all like, of course, the time warp is going to be in there. Hot Patootie. Of course. Sweet Transvestite. Can't believe you didn't say Sweet that's, Transvestite that's a great was one of one. your favourite ones. And I actually like the the end song where he's where he says, um, "I'm coming no, home." Don't 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 it. dream it. Don't dream it. Believe it. <laughs> that's great. That's one of my favourite ones that's too. A great one. But yeah, so I would listen to the soundtrack a lot, and I'd ask my mum, "What is the what is this from?" And she described the movie to me, and then eventually we got our hands on a copy of the movie. So this is back in the '90s. So I was probably about five or six at the time. Five yeah. or six when you watch the yeah, that's right. Show. So. I mean, you wouldn't know what's going on. It'd just be like people dancing. Yeah, I suppose I was very aware of what was going on oh, that yeah? day. But uh, I remember when I first watched the movie. Again, this was when I was about five or six, maybe a little bit older. I didn't like it at all. So I had this impression in my head of what the movie was going to be like, just based. I on I want to know what five-year-old soundtrack. Your like what? What was your impression as a five-year-old um, of what the movie was going to be based on the soundtrack? I suppose more grounded. I suppose more. <laughs> <laughs> as a six-year-old, you're just like, this isn't grounded enough yeah, for me. Yeah, and so I found the movie too weird. Like I didn't enjoy it, it because I found it too strange. Like I liked how it started, but then it just got too weird, and it was kind of a little bit too dark for me at, at five or six. I remember when I watched it as well. When I saw the lips, I was like, this is going to be really unusual. This is going to be too weird for me. But then you yeah. just kind of get sucked into the That's world. That's one of my favorite songs too. Science fiction double feature. And you go with it. Yeah. Well, I didn't go with it when I was a kid. You were just like, no. I couldn't deal with the fact that they turned out to be aliens at the end. Yeah, that's crazy. And the the house takes off like a spaceship. I couldn't deal with that. And then I was embarrassed during the sex scenes because I was watching it with my mum and I'm five years old. And so, yeah, I just got embarrassed. Scarred you I'm like, life. I don't want my mum seeing me watching a sex scene. You know, that, <laughs> that sort of thing. That she picked for you. Yeah, exactly. It's just embarrassing. 
Well, there so, you go. yeah, it was just awkward moments all around. So, that when was did my you, history. So, when did you start to like it? I sort of left it. it alone. So, I still liked the soundtrack, I suppose. So, I would listen to the soundtrack regularly. And it wasn't until I was in my teenage years, sort of like late teens, where there's a, there's a point where everyone reaches a certain age in high school. And, it, and this sort of happens generationally. Everyone turns about 15, 16. And suddenly, they're really into a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. So everyone That's at your totally school starts right. talking about it, mm. and everyone watches it all the time. They'll have like watch parties, and they'll talk about going to the, you know, the the cinematic experience. <laughs> and so, come that time in late high school, I rewatched it, and then of course I knew what I was expecting. I knew all the songs really well, and I came to appreciate it a lot more because I suppose it appealed to me a lot more as an older as an older gent, mm. not an old man, but a teenager. And then of course, when I was at university, people were watching it all the time. We'd have big like watch parties. And I think they even did some like showings, sort of like university. Everyone would crowd into the uni bar. They pulled out, pull out a projector. That's cool. And they'll do a showing and sort of do like a mini version of the, you know, the cinema experience, the cult following cinema experience. I haven't actually seen it for a few years now. Me neither. So I did re-listen to the soundtrack just to re-familiarize myself with it the other day while I was writing my plot. But I can't say I've watched the movie for quite a while. All right, should we get straight into our plots? Let's do it. There's so many ways we can go in this, right? Yes, that's right. I'm just kind of worried that we'll both have the same thing. This is a movie where there is no rules. It breaks its own rules. Okay. So there's there's every chance that we have something similar, (laughs) but there's no possible way that we'll have exactly the same thing. If we do, that would be insane. Now, I just want to say straight away, if Uh you have Doofy as Frankenfurter in your movie, I'm going to slap you. (laughs) Why do you have Doofy in your movie as Frankenfurter? He's not in my movie. Look, But I know your plots, Matty. I strongly, strongly, strongly believe... That Doofy can only play Doofy, not another character. Okay, so fair no, enough. No, Doofy. Okay. Everybody who is a fan of Doofy, as I am, I'm a leader of the fan Listen club. Listen to our other special episodes if you're not familiar. Doofy is not making an appearance in my plot. Oh, I'm no. sorry. Is Dwayne the Rock Johnson? No, he is not. Oh, I have We're no changing idea. things well, here. Let's hear your plot right now. I want to hear it you right now. You want to hear now. my plot I'm right excited, now? I'm excited because it sounds like you're going uh, in a new direction <laughs> for your special episode Well, we, we need to change things every once in a while, right? So you want me to go first? Yeah. Sure. I need to say a story, though, before I get started. A okay. little context into this plot. So, a story before the story. So, yep. this is like the prequel to your prequel. Exactly. As you know, because you know me personally, I've been a very, very busy guy lately. I have, like, mm. no time at all. Pretty much sleep four hours and I'm running off doing all these things. i involved in so many things. I Too much, too much things I've been involved in. Oh, is this an apology? <laughs> Are you apologizing in somewhat, advance for somewhat, the quality somewhat. of your... Uh... So, essentially... For this episode, I had one day that I could work on it. One. Okay. Before that, I had a, a rehearsal for a play I'm in, so I was planned on doing the rehearsal, and I'd go and I'd bash this this plot out. And at that right. stage, I had no idea what I was going to write for this plot because I was so confused. I was like, where, where would I go in a Rocky Horror Picture sequel? How would I do that? But I was like, okay, well, I've got the afternoon. I can do it. So I would do the rehearsal. It's a really good rehearsal. And then my cast are like, hey, there's a bar around here. Do you want to go have a drink? Oh, no. And I was like, so yeah, I'll go, I'll go for one drink. Okay, sure, okay. sure. So one drink turns into four, turns into five. Anyway, I'm a little bit inebriated and then I'm traveling home and I'm just like thinking, oh, no, I've got to write this plot. This is the only day I have to write this plot. And I get home, I open my computer and I just start typing. Right. And I finish so the you plot. you were still feeling the effects of the, yes. the four beers? Yes, very much so. Wow. I finished the plot and I have not looked at this plot since. Okay. So this is my plot. I'm going to read it out verbatim. Okay. I'm excited now. A plot now. that I, I can't remember parts of it, so we'll, we'll see what I have. But yeah, very, very drunk when I wrote this plot. Oh, very drunk. Okay. So. Uh, okay, this is going to make it even more interesting. Let's get straight here into it. Here we go. Here we go. So my Rocky Horror Picture Show prequel is called Rocky Horror Novel Show. 
because the okay. novel comes before a picture. Okay, fair enough. Well, the stage show, technically. I thought that was funny at the time. And I want to direct it. Uh, the director I've picked is the guy who directed the Cats movie. I don't know who that is. Oh, I can't remember either. And obviously at the time, I didn't know who that was either. So here is what I've prepared for you today, Kieran. Uh, and I'm reading this out verbatim. A narrator played by a dressed up Rebel Wilson. Oh, great. And in brackets, I've got fuck you, Kieran. <laughs> okay. <laughs> introduces the story. I would like, if I may... To tell you a very strange story. <laughs> you gave her so much shit that I felt I needed to redeem her on this show. I wanted to cast her. I wanted to prove you wrong. So she's here. Okay. So she, she explains in an over-the-top way an alien species from transsexual Transylvania. And obviously I didn't finish that sentence apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so you just choose what happens there. So I, so just I, guess, I guess, you know, she just introduces that concept. Right. Okay. We see this as, and in brackets I've said... We see what? You didn't say anything. Like the ending of the last movie, Frankenfurter... Now, I spell Frankenfurter differently every time I write it here. Frankenfurter, Riff Raff, Magenta, and Columbia are emerging from a crater created from just landing on Earth. Right, so Columbia's an alien now too, because she wasn't in the original wasn't movie. Wasn't she? Well, no. she is now. Okay. What was she in the original movie? She was just a regular woman. That she, gets- got, she gets picked up by Frankenfurter. Oh, well, there you go. Do you remember in uh, the time warp, she goes, well, I was walking down the street just to having a thing when a snake of a guy gave me an evil wink. That bit. Yeah. So obviously you didn't remember that. <laughs> no, I didn't plot. remember it. Well, she's here. Maybe she was there when uh, when they landed on her. Okay. <laughs> they crash landed on her and she just emerged out all bruised and bloody. They are in spacesuits. Fair enough. Frankenfurter is playing... <laughs> I forgot about this. Frankenfurter is played by Pete Davison. Okay, fair enough. That's an interesting choice. Riff Raff is played by Kieran. Oh, good. I've always wanted to play Riff Raff. I know. I guess I kind of look like him, so <laughs> I could play him. You're welcome. Magenta is played by Emma Stone. Great okay. casting by that, me, That I is think. good casting. I like that. And Columbia is played by Rebel Wilson again. Fuck okay. you, Kieran. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. You could, I could see that happening. Yeah, yeah why, not? why and, not? And she's an Australian actor as well. So, little Nell, who played Columbia in the original movie, was Australian as well. I so. thought of all these things when I wrote this plot. There we go. Not a bad casting choice, Rebel Wilson as Columbia. No, I could see she's it. annoying. So, <laughs> little Nell was annoying. I could see it. I could see it. So, Frankenfurter is not like his original incarnation. He is reserved and conservative. Kind of like Brad and Janet from the original. Interesting. Hmm. Then I've just put song about landing on Earth. So insert your song okay. about landing so on you Earth. You didn't even here. come up with a title. No. They will situate their house on top of a place where there is fog. Okay. So no <laughs> so wait for it. So no real estate moguls can buy them out in a plan to decorate the neighborhood. So is that just a reference to the Adams family? <laughs> yes, it okay. Is. They will look at each other and say, it's creepy, it's spooky, it's home. Song about decorating. (laughs) Right, okay. And what would you call that song? Um, Just off the top of your head. Let's dust the table again. (laughs) Okay. They will then be visited by a motorcycle delivery driver named Eddie. Mm, What's he delivering? I don't know. (laughs) Stuff. Stuff. Stuff for the house. Yes, stuff for the house. Oh, furniture. Because they're moving in. It's going to be difficult on a motorbike. He's a strong guy. And who's playing Eddie? John Goodman. Okay, interesting. So he's somehow older than he was in, in the in the next movie. Frank is in love, but can't come to terms with his sexuality. Look at me building a story Ooh, arc here. Interesting. There will be a song about this. Okay. Thanks, Maddie D. It's called Coming Out. Eddie will leave and Frankenfurter will have a moment of sadness. 
unbeknownst to him, Columbia is waving longingly out the window. Okay. So I guess she's in love with Eddie. So by the way, in the original movie as well, Columbia was originally in a relationship with Frankenfurter before she started having an affair with Eddie. Oh, there you go. <laughs> glad, <laughs> glad you didn't take the time to work that in at all. Well, you know, there's time to progress that along, you know. Uh, Frankenfurter, and I just refer to him as Frank from this point onwards because it's easier. Frankenfurter will... How dare you? <laughs> will, all right, here it goes. I completely forgot I wrote this. Frankenfurter will hear a voice from beyond calling him out. So oh. him and his friends will follow it. It will lead them to an icy glacier. Oh, okay, you are doing a reference to that. Where Frankenfurter will find out who he is supposed to be. Frankenfurter will sing a song about going into the unknown. Oh. Frankenfurter will meet an ancient tribe of people who earth, fire, and water bend. Okay. He will help them- He's just not trying at this point. (laughs) He will help them by destroying a dam his family built to separate their people. He uses his ice powers to stop the floods. He doesn't have ice powers. Well, he does now, apparently. Frankenfurter will return home. He has a newfound confidence. He invites Eddie back to have dinner. He realises that Eddie and Columbia have... to have Eddie for dinner appropriately enough, yeah. since they do eat him. They do the eat movie. him eventually. Uh, he finds out that Eddie and Columbia have feelings for each other. Oh, no, sorry. I misread that. He realises <laughs> He realizes that Eddie and Columbia are feeling each other up under the table. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's very different. Very different vibe. He goes into a jealous rage and kills him. Uh, oh, okay. So how's he still alive in the uh, in the next movie? He's the uh, movie? didn't he get his brain cut out in the original movie? Like that's he, right. He's assumed dead. He's in a freezer or something, isn't he? Well, there he just took half of his brain to make Rocky, but he didn't mm. kill him. He does kill him in that movie. Though he mm. chops him to pieces with an axe. I thought he was kind of supposed to be dead, but then he comes back no, alive. No, he's just on ice. Well, then he's on ice in this movie okay. too. There will be a scene where Frankenfurter dances down the stairs to Rock and Roll Part Two in full Frankenfurter okay. getup. <laughs> okay, he has now become the iconic character. There will be a montage of Frankenfurter globe trotting to <laughs> the way I read. Okay, I'm just going to read this the way I read it. There will be a montage of Frankenfurter globe trotting to find different human parts to make the perfect man. Okay, one of these will include a motorcycle chase in Venice. Interesting. Okay, and let me guess, he uses most of the body parts from Matty D in his cameo. <laughs> I didn't work myself in. I, I can be one of the ancient tribes people. Okay. This seems like a good time to play WAP, WAP, sorry, by Cardi B. <laughs> That's the Italian version. <laughs> I've just written for the kids. And wow. That- okay. All right. Reading this for <laughs> Jesus. I'm running out of ideas, so hopefully this is long enough for Kieran not to shit on this. Oh, too late. <laughs> You lost me at Rebel Wilson. <laughs> I am going to end with a car getting broken down in a storm near the house. Frank will be sad that his perfect man isn't alive yet. He will get the sense of hopefulness when he looks outside and sees the car. Right. We will hear dialogue from the first movie from Brad and Janet to the point where they'll get... Cold and wet, I'm just played scared. <laughs> to the point where they'll get credited on Wikipedia and IMDb uh, as, as being... Archival footage. As being characters in the movie. Okay. Which will prematurely excite fans and confuse Kieran and Maddie D, who will have to do an episode on it. Yeah, okay. A jazzed up version of Time Warp will play us out. How do you get more jazzy than the original? Oh, maybe it'll be like a, a, doof, doof, a doof doof version of Time Warp. Right, okay. Like a Mortal Kombat theme yeah. version. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, my plot. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend that I like that. <laughs> it was entertaining, I suppose. 
Oh, wow, I forgot most of that. Okay, so uh, I'm glad that you took 10 minutes out of your day <laughs> to put that together. That took longer than 10 minutes. Maybe you should have asked your drinking buddies for some <laughs> ideas before you before you stumbled home. <laughs> oh, well, at least oh, you had I a good time. I wanted to be original, you know. At I least did. you had a good time before you wrote your plot. Mm. <laughs> All right, should we move on <laughs> I to would what love I've to, got? I'd Mine's love to hear a little bit more in-depth than yours. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. As I said, I did get a few ideas from The Old Queen Returns. Or was it Revenge of the Old Queen? It was Revenge of the Old Queen, sorry. Yeah, I did get a few ideas from that, but not too much, just beyond characters, basically. Because Revenge of the Old Queen, of course, is a sequel, and this is a prequel. Mm. So, again, sort of like with Matty D's, I'm not going to start mine with an apology or a pre-warning, though I am going to start with a pre-warning of sorts, just because uh, I do explore sort of adult concepts and themes in this. And I don't know if I explored them particularly well, so I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just sort of writing this for fun. I'm not trying to make any comments or criticisms or observations here at all. Uh, So, yeah, just be pre-warned. Gets a little bit graphic at times, a little bit offensive at times. Does it? So you have been warned. So if you're sensitive to that sort of stuff, yeah, just skip through if you're offended. But yes, so mine is called Love Conquers Transylvania. That's a that's a sweet title. It took I like me a it. long time to come up with that many D. I tried so many different titles and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I went but through the same said, process with my title. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> like changing one word from the original. So yeah, mine's called Love Conquers Transylvania and it's being directed by the original writer, Richard O'Brien. I don't think he's ever directed a movie in his life. So this will be an interesting oh, experience. Nice. So my movie opens in black and white. So just imagine the whole film. At this stage is in black and white uh, With a newer version of science fiction double feature Cool So we've had the same lips again But the lyrics uh, will be different They'll be referencing different sci-fi and horror movies Than the previous movie did And as the song plays We slowly pan through the void of space Focusing in on a single planet This planet is revealed to be the planet transsexual In the galaxy of Transylvania We see that the planet is made up entirely of one giant city that looks like a cross between Flash Gordon and Metropolis. Nice. I'm getting like a David Lynch vibe. And could you imagine if he directed this? Oh, maybe I should have got David oh Lynch directed. Oh my God, that would have been awesome. Well, he's never done a musical, though. He has done musical numbers in his movies. I think he could do it. Yeah. Maybe I should change it to David Lynch. And maybe Richard <laughs> O'Brien is just there helping. <laughs> yeah. He, he's keeping Lynch, Lynch on a... Like, so you imagine tether. it looks a little bit like a racer head or something. Exactly, that's what I'm picturing. Okay. Well, you said black and white, so... Yeah, so it's supposed to look like a 50s sci-fi movie. Okay. That's the vibe I'm going for. So like the start of Men in Black 2. Yeah, pretty much. That's a good example. One of the only times we'll reference that movie or, in this show. Or, here's a more obscure reference to you. It's like the start of Night of the Creeps. I haven't watched it. There so you go. So the we'll citizens the citizens of transsexual all wear triangular jumpsuits and sport bizarre haircuts, just like Magenta and Riff Raff at the end of the original movie, mm-hmm. if you can remember that. Yep. And we soon learn, despite the name, that the citizens of Planet Transsexual are robotic, asexual, joyless beings. Who, Whoa. Who constantly follow the same routine. Uh, children are produced via test tube and love and marriage are alien concepts to the Transylvanians. So we're going to break some of these rules. That's right. So I like that you sort of explored a similar concept as well, that, that Frankenfurter starts off as a like conservative person. And you can see that I'm already sort of going in a similar direction there. Are you ripping my plot off? Maybe. So Planet Transsexual is ruled by the Great Queen... Not the old queen, but the great queen, who's played by Kate Blanchett with giant hair. Fantastic. Who is told by her royal council that the planet is overpopulated and running dangerously low on resources. The queen reveals that they've sent expeditions to hundreds of different planets, but are yet to find one suitable for their needs. Uh, I don't know why I wrote this, but I I guess I I thought this character was going to be more important in an original draft, but he's just in one line here. Yep. 
So a small scientist played by Deep Roy, who played the Oompa Loompas in the Tim yeah, Burton yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What else has he been in? He's been in like a. He was in Never Ending Story as the mm. Snail Rider. Oh yeah, the Snail Rider. Yeah, that was him. So yeah, he charges in and claims that the next planet they have their sights on is Planet Earth. Dun dun dun. We then cut to the Queen's son, Prince Nictu, who's played by Jamie Clayton, uh, who is wandering around the castle grounds after a long day of studying science. Nictu sings a song called A Free Prisoner as he pines for something more from life, but he's not quite sure what it is. And that's not Frankenfurter, this is a new character. Mm, I'm not going to say. Oh, okay, right, it's a different named Frankenfurter. When the song finishes with Nicto staring up at the stars, his two bodyguards, Riff Raff and Magenta, I think that gives it away, approach him. Riff Raff and Magenta are brother and sister, and are played by Ryan Gosling and Isabella Mona from Dora the Explorer fame, respectively. Yeah, I love how I cast you as Riff Raff and you cast Ryan Gosling. I was going to Pretty cast- much the same person, really. I was going to cast myself, but then I didn't want to come off as creepy, so- <laughs> Who's, who's playing Frankenfurter? Who's playing not Frankenfurter? Uh, Nikto is being played by Jamie Clayton. Who's that? Jamie Clayton is a trans actor. What have they been in? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I just looked up trans actors and I found one that <laughs> looked Fair. like who I, how I wanted them to look. But they are, they're a trans actor, so they're a trans woman, mm-hmm. but they are playing a man at this point. Okay. If that makes sense. Love your representation. There we go. Riff Raff and Magenta summon Nikto to dinner with the Great Queen, which is a depressing meal of pills presented on a grand platter. Nikto laments to his mother that he wants something more from life, as I said in the previous section, and that he feels trapped somehow. But the Great Queen scolds him and says that's not how rulers behave. This kind of like feels like the plot of Ants. Uh, yeah, I suppose so, but with less Woody Allen. Yeah. Later, Nikto overhears of the expedition to planet Earth and decides that he wants to go himself. He raises the idea with the Great Queen, who refuses at first, as the mission may be too dangerous for him. But Nikto insists that the quest will be a perfect way to prove himself as the next great leader of the planet transsexual, and the queen hesitantly agrees. So Riff Raff and Magenta are sent along to protect Nikto, and the three set off in a very phallic-shaped spaceship Very nice. towards the planet Earth. During the journey, they sing a song called Always Say Yes, about acting <laughs> impulsively on decisions before giving them any thought. Always say yes! Yes. When the transsexual spaceship lands on Earth, the film suddenly turns to colour, like in The Wizard of Oz. Oh! So it's black and white in the spaceship, and then the door opens up, and Earth is in colour. That's kind of cool, I like that. It's probably the best sort of imagery I have in this whole plot. (laughs) We're not entirely sure of the time period, but it would appear that it's the late 1950s. The ship crash lands on a rural barn, causing a farmer called Frank Rockwell, played by John Goodwin, he's in my plot as well, of course, and his two teenage children, who don't have actors to come out to investigate, kind of like that scene from Back to the Future. Back to the Future. (laughs) As the three aliens exit their ship, Farmer Frank threatens to blast them with a shotgun, so Riff Raff immediately zaps all three people with his ray gun, causing Nikto to scream at him in protest since he wanted to learn more about the Earthlings since they looked just like them. Why did you kill them? They could just be like us. Riff Raff is pretty cold and heartless. He doesn't really care. Nikto, Riff Raff and Magenta assume the lives of the three farmers and start living in their house and wearing their clothes. Of farmers? Yeah, that's right. Wow, because at the start of the first movie, they're farmers, Yeah, that's right. right. Oh, clever boy. See, I'm tying everything in. When they first enter the farmhouse, the trio find boxes of hot pizza sitting on the dining table. Not quite sure what it is, they investigate it thoroughly before gingerly tasting a piece. They find the pizza to be amazingly delicious and wolf it down almost orgasmically. Now, remember, they've never had food. They don't have food. They've just had pills. That's right. They become obsessed with food and we have a comic scene of them trying to eat as much food as possible in the house. So I'm just imagining like Riff Raff standing in the fridge doorway, like guzzling down milk. Or like Frankenfurter's just like eating cheese just straight from the block. All sorts of good stuff like that. Did I say Frankenfurter? I meant Nikto. 
Yeah, right. Okay. The three Trans- don't, don't reveal your yeah. hand there. The three Transylvanians soon find Frank's pickup truck, which Riff Raff refers to as a primitive earthling toy, possibly for children. Nikto decides that he's going to take the truck and scope out the local area and try and find more about the earth and its inhabitants. Riff Raff and Magenta want to come along too, but Nikto insists on going alone. He says, this is something I need to do myself. While driving along a lonely highway, Nikto spots a red-haired hitchhiker on the side of the road holding up a sign that says Columbia. There we go. As she's wearing cut-off denim shorts and a Daisy Duke-style top, Nikto can't believe his eyes since he's never seen so much of a woman before. Is it played by Jesse Eisenberg? No. Because <laughs> he's, he's Columbus. In oh, I see. Oh, well, you'll see who's what a, being what played a by What a stretch of a joke. He pulls up alongside her to get a better look, and she jumps into the truck. She says, why, thank you, Frank, causing Nikto to ask why she thinks his name is Frank. She laughs and points to his overalls, which clearly has Frank embroidered on it. Because, you know, took it from Farmer Frank. Of course, Frank. of course. Nikto, aka Frank, I'm just going to call him Frank for the rest of the plot. <laughs> He's lazy. Says that by her logic, her name must be Columbia. And she says, honey, for a ride, you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> okay. And by the way, Columbia is played by Angori Rice, who played uh, Betsy Brandt, Betty Brandt, in the Spider-Man movies, the more recent ones. She also played, weirdly enough, because he's in this movie as well. Betty Brandt. Yeah, remember how the fat friend in Spider-Man got the girlfriend in Spider-Man? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. But she also also played uh, Ryan Gosling's daughter in The Nice Guys as well, which is kind of weird since he's in this movie as well. There we go. After driving for a while, Columbia says that she doesn't have any money to pay Frank for the lift, but offers to pay him back another way. In a kissy. She rubs her hand on his crotch, causing Frank to nearly swerve off the road. (laughs) They happen to stop right near a drive-in movie theatre and Columbia suggests they stop in for a break. For a break. The drive-in is showing a double feature and the first movie being Teenagers from Outer Space, which I just happened to watch the day before I wrote my (laughs) plot. During the scene where the lead alien Derek has a romantic moment with the Earth girl Betty, Frank stares up at the screen in confusion. Now, just to fill anybody in who hasn't seen Teenagers from Outer Space, the plot of that movie is that a bunch of aliens who look like teenagers come to Earth, they don't understand Earth ways, and the the lead character, the lead alien, sort of falls in love with Earth and a girl on Earth and wants to become an Earthling. Sounds like, hmm, sounds very familiar so sounds far, Sounds very familiar. What, when was this so movie made? Homage. Like the 50s? Uh, 1955, I believe. Okay. So they're having a romance scene in the movie. It happens towards the end of the movie. So Frank is staring up at the screen in confusion during the scene. Meanwhile, Columbia unbuttons his overalls and begins giving Frank oral pleasure. (laughs) Frank is shocked at first, but then soon realizes he really likes this new sensation. And he sings a song about... (laughs) He sings a song about blowjobs? He sings a song called Blasting Back Into Space. (laughs) Oh, dear. Back on the... Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go, Ruddy D. Back on the farm, Riff Raff and Magenta are poking around the farmhouse trying to pass the time. Magenta finds a pornographic magazine under one of the beds and stares in wonder at the strange pictures inside. She shows the magazine to Riff Raff, who is revolted at first, but finds himself still curiously turning the pages. Their face- does Riff Raff have a skullet in this as well? Yes, he does. Oh, no, not at this stage. Oh, maybe he gives himself a skullet to blend in as a farmer. I don't know. Yeah, let's say he does have one. So their faces press together when they leaf through the book, where they pause on a picture of a couple kissing. Not quite sure of the purpose of this act, Magenta suggests they try it themselves to try and work out what it means. The two siblings awkwardly kiss before suddenly becoming passionate. As they tear each other's clothes off, they sing a song called, If It Feels Good, How Could It Be Bad? Because <laughs> uh, in, the, in the actual, in the Rocky Horror movie itself, uh, Riff Raff and Magenta are suggested have an incestuous relationship. Very so just, strongly suggested. Yeah, I just wanted to explore the origins of that. Meanwhile, Frank and Columbia are having wild sex at the drive-in, but something on the screen distracts Frank from his lovemaking. The second feature has started, and they're showing the classic 1935 film, 
the Bride of Frankenstein. He sees the monster in Henry Frankenstein creating its bride and quickly becomes obsessed. Inspires so, him to make a human so again, of his own. if you're not familiar with Bride of Frankenstein, basically Henry Frankenstein survives the first movie. The, the monster also survives the first movie and he essentially, as a revenge, forces Frankenstein to create him a bride, like the perfect woman. Again, sensing thematic things mm-hmm. here. Columbia becomes annoyed that Frank is no longer paying attention to her and leaves the truck in a huff. We last see her jumping into a convertible with two jerks drinking beers... Played by Kieran and Maddie D. <laughs> is one of us Eddie? Is that what you're saying? Mm, uh, I won't say. We'll see. After the movie finishes, Frank drives off until he comes across the nearby town of Denton. Since it's late at night, most of the businesses are closed with the exception of a tatty go-go bar. Frank wanders into the go-go bar, enticed by the bright pink lights and jazzy music, and after a few moments, the stage lights up and out comes a voluptuous woman dressed in fishnets, leather and lingerie. Do we have an actor for this or... I didn't, couldn't think of an actor. Doesn't really matter. The woman is introduced as Mama Minx and sings a song called This Is What You Want and all the men in the crowd go wild for her. After the show, Frank finds himself in Mama Minx's dressing room, singing her praises and calling her an inspiration. Mama Minx laughs and tells Frank, we all know why you're here. You just want to be with me. Frank grins and replies, that's not it at all. I want to be you. We cut to outside the bar where we see Columbia with the two drunks from earlier who are pouring at her and being generally rough. Columbia is clearly distressed and is trying to get away from the two jerks. Suddenly, they are stopped by a voice that rings out, Let her go! <laughs> what? The two jerks turn to see Frank, now dressed in drag, walking out of the bar. The two Did jerks- he kill her? Uh, it's sort of ins- you could take it either way. Ooh, I okay. guess it's sort of insinuated that he killed her and took her clothes, but mm, I didn't show it, so you could just presume that maybe she was like, oh, here you go, have Here's an effort. Help yourself to my wardrobe. The two jerks are so shocked, they don't even know how to react as Frank approaches them. With a swift punch and a kick, Frank knocks out the two men. He turns to Columbia, his eyes wild with satisfaction, and holds out his hand. We see Columbia smile before we cut to Frank's pickup hey, truck. you. Take your damn hands off her. Before we cut to Frank's pickup truck tearing off into the night. We fast forward several months later. You can tell this is where I was sort of like... <laughs> this is where you rushed it. Jump. You kind of got sick of writing this. Yeah, I was like, it's going way too long. I need to wrap this up. We fast forward to several months later where we see that Frank and the gang have transformed the farm and their spaceship into a gothic castle. A chubby pizza delivery boy, played by Jack Black. Eh. Well, yeah, yeah, actually, that's actually good casting. Pulls up to the castle on a motorbike. He whistles as he approaches the front door, ringing the doorbell. Inside, Riff Raff has been watching the delivery boy from the upstairs window, and he turns to Frank, who is applying lipstick, mm. and he says, Master, there's a man outside. Frank, see, I could play, I could totally you, play Yeah, Riff Raff. this is why I cast you. Frank grins at the camera and says, Goody, fresh meat. Because, you know, it was meatloaf in the original <laughs> movie. I just thought I'd throw in a subtle <laughs> reference there. And that is the end of... Of my plot. Yay. Insert clapping noise. There we go. Yay. There we go. Audience cheer. What Audience members. Yeah, questions? Questions. Oh, you already told me what it, what it was called and who it was directed by. I was just going to ask right. that. But it was yeah. originally Richard O'Brien directing it, but then now it's David, David Lynch, Lynch and Richard O'Brien directing it. There we go. It. There we go. Two great prequels to Rocky Horror. Picture. Yes. Dear listeners, whose who's plot did you like better? Do you have your own ideas of what should happen in a Rocky Horror Picture Show prequel? Would love to hear anybody's ideas of how to make a prequel for Rocky Horror Picture Show. If there, there needs to be one, I don't yeah. think there is. But if you have an idea, let us know. Please, and let us know whose plot you liked. Is there any way that you could fix either of our plots? Do you yeah. have any writing suggestions <laughs> for us? You can let us know at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. That's our email address. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just do a search for potential spoilers. Typically, we'll come up. Or you can just leave us a comment on this episode's page on our Podbean site. If you see that exclamation point, 
That's usually us. Usually. Usually. Now, before we wrap it up for another week, let's quickly discuss what we're going to be predicting next week. We're going back to actually predicting a movie plot again. And this time, we're going back to the Disney World. Feels like every second week we're going back to the Disney World, We just it? left the Disney World. Exactly. We did Frozen 2 last week. We talked about how we did in Frozen 2 last week. And we're going back to Disney because we're talking about the upcoming live-action Cruella movie. Yes. Are you familiar with this one at all? Yes, I've seen the trailer for this. There's a lot of hype leading into it. Yep. Emma Stone is playing Cruella herself. That's correct. So it's And a be- lot of people, we'll talk about this more in depth next week, a lot of people are already making Joker comparisons. Well, I guess there is somewhat of a comparison to be made because it's an origin story of Cuella de Vil. That's right. Who was a villain, of course. The villain from 101 Dalmatians. So, I guess we've got to try to predict that story. Yes. So, if you have any ideas of what you think is going to happen in the upcoming Cruella movie, please let us know at those places I mentioned earlier. Or anything you want to see in the Cruella movie. If yeah. There's something you want to see that if Cruella de Vil always do, you want do, to see her skinning done. puppies and making it <laughs> like an R-rated movie where she's oh. butchering animals. I'd love that. They're not going to do that, but I would love it. If they went full-on Joker with it, I would love they're gonna that They're going to humanise her is what they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll talk all about that we'll next week. We'll talk all about that next week. So until then... Until then, patient. You've seen all kinds of movies... But you've never seen anything like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. They're probably foreigners with ways different than our own. I'm just a sweet transvestite. See the Rocky Horror Picture Show. A different set of jaws. Rated R.